From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Tuesday, June 20th. Rangers from Arches, Canyonlands, and Dead Horse Point State Park pointed their telescopes to the sky this weekend for southeastern Utah's second annual astronomy event, AstroFest. The public was invited to come out to the parks to learn about summertime constellations and take a peek at some supernovas and planets through the telescopes. What is AstroFest all about? So AstroFest kind of started first and foremost for just us linking together as a couple of international dark sky parks that surround the Moab area. This is Austin Kelly, ranger at Canyonlands National Park. Just get people out here to experience this. You know, a lot of people have not seen the Milky Way. This is their first experience here and having this event where they can come out, see a ranger program, see really unique telescope setups and just really unique things in the night sky was kind of the big thing. We have a lot of folks who maybe don't realize that we're an international dark sky park and we have partners like the city of Moab that's starting to become that. So just trying to raise that awareness is a really important resource, something we're actively protecting and, and something really cool and facilitating people seeing that. Yeah. Is Canyonlands a special spot to see stars? Yeah, I would say certainly. Due to the geography and where we're located, with Moab being kind of the largest city here, we're really fortunate that we have very little light pollution. Um, So we're definitely one of the darker places in the lower 48, for sure. One of the darker places here in Utah. Again, just because we're in this really remote country, uh, especially if you think of some of the districts of Canyonlands, like we're going out to the maze, where there's going to be like three light bulbs from the Hans Flat Ranger Station. That's one of the darkest places that you can kind of experience here in Utah. Um, Certainly one of the most remote. So yeah, really special for that. Why is it important to preserve the night sky? First and foremost, I just say, because it's really cool, right? It helps to center ourselves in this vast universe that we live in. So many people, about two thirds of people in the United States do not get these views. They live in light polluted skies where that light is going up, hitting little things of water, gas, and spreading out where they can't see the Milky Way. Sometimes they're only seeing the moon. But in Canyonlands, it's also really important important for the cultural aspect and the history that's tied there. You know, we have 26 affiliated tribes here in Canyonlands and them and the people that came before them, the ancestral Pablones as we know them today, they had really intimate connections with the night sky, whether it was for practical reasons like navigation, figuring out when you're planting or something like that, but even for cultural and spiritual things that even, you know, through a Western kind of lens that we're looking through, we can even only just begin to understand. And all of those associated and affiliated tribes, when we come to them, Um, their interpretation of some of the structures and other things we have here is that they have those connections to the night sky. Um, And that's just here in Canyonlands, right? If we go to other national parks, we have things like Harriet Tubman National Historic Site, where they have a more modern interpretation and connection with the night sky of enslaved people getting to freedom. So for me, I think it's that cultural connection we have here. Earlier, we had been looking at a new supernova in the Pinwheel Galaxy. The reason we were looking at a lot now in the last couple of nights is because there's actually a supernova, which is a star at the end of its life, where we can see this really bright star that showed up May 19th. So it's really new, super cool. Um, And it even ties back to some of those cultural connections where we have some petroglyphs and pictographs, not here, but in areas like Chaco National Historic Park, where they believe that that's from a nebula that the ancestral Babylons were seeing. How could you see it? It It was so bright, it was visible with a naked eye for that one, which is is insane. That is so cool. At least from the interpretation I heard, it would have been visible during the day. Which is insane. But yeah, the one that we have at the pinwheel, it's just cool because it's like active astronomy, right? I think it's really easy for us to be like, oh, whatever, the stars from millions of years ago, but we're like, hey, you know, the light from that star from 2600 light years away, it's here now and we're seeing the supernova, which is really cool. And that's a month old for our human eyes. That's super neat. 
Okay, wait. But that did happen a long time ago. It did happen yes. a long time ago. But We're it's just new to us. now seeing, and it's new to us as a human culture living on the planet Earth. This new supernova happened about 21 million years ago. Canyonlands National Park Ranger Road Smart put that timeline into context for me. What was happening 20 million years ago? When we look to Moab, we actually get the carving of the canyons here at Canyonlands. And so the light um, has taken that long to travel and finally hits us. And, you know, it was happening at the same time that the canyons were forming. So here in Canyonlands, you can look at not only astronomical history, but geologic history at the same time. While I was talking to Arches National Park Ranger Kyle Ackerman, I saw probably one of the best shooting stars I have ever seen in my life. Right of like these swirls. Oh, oh my God! I didn't see it. If you didn't see it, don't worry about it. Oh my God! That had a green tail. Why was it green? That was beautiful. I'll I don't know the exact chemical, but oftentimes whatever is burning up in the atmosphere may have certain elements in it that will burn up and turn colors in the atmosphere because it's all friction. I mean, it's rubbing against that and creating such heat that all of those elements are combusting. So I'm not sure what it was, but it was beautiful. (laughs) We also got to hear constellation stories from Canyonlands National Park Ranger Rachel Toops. We've got the Summer Triangle, Deneb, this one's Vega, and this one is Altair. I just learned a story from Chinese mythology, a folk tale, and it is the story of a forbidden love, which is very exciting. Basically, Vega and Altair were two lovers. One of them was a celestial being. She lived in heaven. And then the other one was an earth person. And that was a forbidden pairing. And so they were placed in the sky and they were separated by what would become the Milky Way. This was a giant river. But once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, which is Valentine's Day in Chinese culture, magpies will gather to form a bridge over the Milky Way and allow them to meet again just for one day. Most of the famous constellation stories come from ancient Greece, but there are so many different constellation myths from all over the world. Ranger Kelly shared with me a constellation story that comes from right here in Utah. So the Pleiades, also known as the constellation Subaru in Japanese, um, so that's actually where the Subaru logo comes from. The Seven Sisters is also another name for it. There is in the Paiute culture, um, culture that is predominantly kind of on the border here going down northern Arizona, southern Utah, the coyote, as in many Native American cultures, is kind of a trickster. The, The story, at least as I remember it, is essentially that there were seven sisters and Coyote being a trickster um, turned himself into human form to try and trick one of the daughters of this family uh, to essentially uh, be his partner. And after that happened, he revealed himself to be Coyote. Uh, And at that point, uh, the sisters being ashamed and also just trying to get away from Coyote the trickster uh, fled to the sky to become the Pleiades. Um, So that's at least one example of a story that I've heard. More information about the park's night sky programs can be found in today's show notes. The Colorado State Legislature passed a measure this season to prohibit state and local governments from participating in the immigrant detention industry as a business partner or subcontractor. While this new law may provide a measure of relief to undocumented or temporarily authorized immigrants residing in the state, lawmakers elsewhere are challenging hard-won gains. That includes Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, a federal program that gives temporary legal protection to some undocumented immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children. 
The Boulder-based Modus Theater's Undocu-America Monologues Project shares the personal stories of immigrants with a wider community. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Shannon Young spoke with two members of the theater troupe about their experiences of being DACA recipients. Armando Peniche says even in the best of circumstances, living with DACA forces one to plan one's life in two-year increments. DACA is a renewable um, permit, but you have to renew it every two years, right? So me, Armando, as a DACA recipient, I can't plan to buy a house in five years from now, right? Because I don't know what I'll be in two years. Or school, right? Kind of like, okay, I'm going to go to a four-year school, but you don't even know if you're going to be here for two more years, right? So it's a huge challenge being in that, like living your life two years at a time while also trying to maintain a perfect life. You know, like we all, of course, should strive to stay out of trouble, live a perfect life. People make mistakes, you know, it's human nature, you know, but in, and it's just a lot of pressure at times for people like, okay, like you have to be a model citizen, live a perfect life, or in two years you might be gone, you know, and it, it takes a toll mentally, physically, emotionally. One of those elements of uncertainty is the pending ruling in a court case heard by U.S. District Judge Andrew Hainan. Modus Theater monologist Victor Galvan says this particular judge has a history of ruling against expanding legal protections for immigrants. Judge Hainan, he has been a, a tool and a, a strong arm for the conservatives in this country to move against executive orders like Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals and uh, DAPA, which is the same program but for parents and immediately um, being challenged in the courts. I mean, DACA has been challenged in the courts by this specific judge many a times, and now the higher courts have said, we're going to let the, the lower courts rule. So it's now in his, his playing field, and he's warming up to end this program. And I don't want to set fear in my community, but I also want to make sure that we're we're pivoting when we need to and preparing ourselves. So. Um, people need to be prepared um, if this program ends, what this may mean for their life. Action from Congress could provide legal protections for the DACA program and a counterweight to judicial rulings. But Congress has failed to pass comprehensive immigration reform measures for around three decades. Victor Galvan says both political parties have used the tenuous circumstances of millions of undocumented immigrants for political gains. And speaking directly to community members may be a more effective option for shifting the narrative. We are given hopes by the progressives, um, threatened by the conservatives, and then they pressure each other with those notions in order to make political gains with their bases. And so I think there's a lot of people who are having their heartstrings plucked in one way or the other for the the gains of one political party or both. And so we really need to understand each other here. I'm not reaching out to my community because they know what it's like to live in my shoes. They know. I'm reaching out to the other side for those uh, those of our community that either refuse to learn or have no experiences that put them in that position to learn what it's like to be an immigrant in this country. And so this is why we do our monologues, why we perform across the state and now internationally, because we want to help people understand what it's like to live this kind of life, Um, help people understand that 
we are so much more alike than we are different and that we're striving for the same thing. We want to survive. We want to thrive. We want to build community. And I think there's these very pivotal moments in our monologues where people's eyes open and they realize how wrong they were to judge someone for the decisions that they made, how incredibly similar our paths are and how our humanity coincides in that way, that we want a better life for our community, for our friends, for our family, and that we're, we're all wrestling with this political football that is not working for any of us. So I am reaching out to those folks who are cheering on our conservative counterparts who want to see us gone. Because I know that I'm living in the same neighborhood where we have crappy water quality. We're, we're living in the same communities where we're breathing the bad air, where our taxes are not being used for good, where our, we're being pitted against each other for jobs, where we're not being paid enough. All of these problems are so universal to our bases. And for some reason, someone's whispering in their ear and turning them against their neighbor. And we need to fight that. I know that everyone that has um, worked against us can find common ground with us. And that's all we want is common ground to work for progress. Armando Peniche, anything that you would like to add or what you would like to say while we're in front of these microphones? No, yeah, of course. First of all, thanks for having us. And second of all, to all our listeners, thank you for being here and listening to this program because that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Like taking the time to listen, to listen to someone's other story without judgment, just just being able to take it, right? And I want to add that, you know, in this beautiful world of ours, you know, humans have only been here for what a few thousand years or depending on your belief, right? But just I want to talk to your heart and be like, how, how do you want to be remembered? Right. Immigration is should be a right. You know, before we had borders, people were free to migrate for better opportunities. Right. And when you have a group of people who are just trying to live, trying to provide for their children, for their families, you know, uh, many of us here in the U.S., many U.S. citizens, you know, you don't you can't, you know, experience what that is like because that's not the cards that you were dealt. But I'm sure you can relate to an experience of, you know, what hunger feels like what uh, no opportunity feels like, you know, a bad day. So just reach out to humanity, to your hearts. And, you know, like Victor said, we're trying to build community. That was Armando Peniche, Partnerships and Project Manager for Modus Theater, and monologuist Victor Galvan. I'm Shannon Young. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, June 20th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.